0: That's right. Pastor Paul is in a coat and tie. And so I'm going to invite you now to take your pictures because I'm getting ready to take the coat off because I'm fixing to preach. Okay. And I don't think you want me to melt up here. Right. Right. Is that, is that okay? If I, if I lose this for now, I, I wore it. I wore it. I get credit for it. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a little bit hard for me to preach. I get, I get so excited up here and, uh, well, we're, we're in the midst of our Rethink series. We're finishing that series today, and, and we've been talking about considering life. The unconsidered life's not worth living, and, and we want to consider our lives in, in the light of Jesus. In, in 1 Corinthians, Paul invites us to consider our faith, to consider our walk in faith, and, and if we're living in a manner worthy of the gospel. And so we're reconsidering life in the light of Jesus. We, we're we self-professed, we're professed followers of Jesus Christ. And so there, there should be periods in our life when we, we consider how we're living our lives and whether we're living our lives in a way, in a manner that's fitting of followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, actually the, the word Christian means little Christ. And at first it was used as a derogatory term, and Christians kind of embraced, okay, call us something like that, call us little Christ, call us Christians, because we are following this, this man from Nazareth, this, this first century Jew, this, this carpenter's sons, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And, and so to call us Christians, is we consider it a compliment because we are modeling, we are pattering our life after him. And so if we have moved through this series, we, we've used the scripture that we read earlier in the service, Isaiah 53, which gives us an, an image of the suffering servant. It was written hundreds of years by the prophet Isaiah before Jesus was born, but it gives us this clear image, this clear picture of the Messiah. And we've talked about what it means as a follower of Jesus, what wisdom and success means. We, we've talked about what... What it means to use our power as God intends us to use our power, Jesus is called the right arm of God and and yet he's, he 's considered the suffering servant he 's considered a a vine or a, a root out of dry land, dry ground and, and so it 's power differently than what we would assume it's it 's power that 's that's weak in some manner. See how we consider our identity, how we consider who we are. And, and Jesus saw Himself as the Son of the Father, and His identity was wrapped up in that. How how we consider suffering. Everyone in this room will go through suffering of some manner and some type. And 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 how do we how do we go through suffering in a way that is redemptive for others and redemptive for ourselves? We consider death. You know, Jesus died on a cross, and, and, and Jesus did something in his dying that brought life to us. And, and so we don't give our lives away. It's, it's not just a, a death for the sake of death, but we give our lives away in obedience to the Father. And, and the model of our life becomes Jesus in the garden saying, not my will, but your will. And in so doing, we bear our cross. And in so doing, we live redemptively for others. And last week we talked about waiting, who likes to wait? Raise your hand, okay? Nobody likes to wait. But waiting's part of life. As a matter of fact, most of life is waiting. And how can we wait in a manner that that, that gives honor to God, that, that, that models Jesus, our Messiah. And this week we're going to talk about victory. What it means to win. <laughs> you know, Easter is about God winning. You realize that, right? <laughs> God has won. <laughs> Despite all the evil you see and all the contrary reports, I want you to know that on that Easter Sunday morning when Jesus rose from the dead, God has won. The victory is over. It's, it's, it's done. The battle's finished. And so we, we come, we gather on Sunday mornings uh, celebrating what Christ has done. The resurrection of Jesus means that the battle's over. In verses 10 through 12 of Isaiah 53, it says, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. In this, we see this image that, that the death on the cross that Jesus suffered was not the end. That God was going to do something new and do something unheard of in the life of the suffering servant. And we realize, looking at this 2,000 years later, that this means that God is going to raise Jesus from the dead on the third day. And so the question is, what does this mean for our victories? What does it mean to win? Now, we all like to win. Uh, you know, some of us like to win more than others. Um, if you 're sitting next to a poor loser, would you raise your hand? I, OK, okay Chris you 're a poor loser. We, we all like to win. Uh, I, and, and I can remember, I used to do boys camp when my boys were little, and they played dodgeball, and, and people cheat when they play dodgeball i don't know what it is. Uh, if when you get hit, you get hit, you 're out. you don 't do this. Did anybody see me get hit? Uh, if you aren't seen and you're hit, you're out, okay? But yeah, dodgeball, they played dodgeball and the kids loved it. And, and I remember this time, it's, it, it, it may still be one of Dylan's greatest victories. He was in third or fourth grade and there were like six kids on the other team and it was Dylan by himself. You know, that, that when they're on that back wall and everybody's just flinging balls at him and trying to hit him in the head and all that stuff. And, and, and then there were five and then there were four. And then there were three. And you know, and you can feel the excitement building. Then there were three. Do you guys know where this is going? Yeah. Then there were two. Then there was one. And then Dylan got him. And it was like the gym erupted. They carried him off. One dodgeball game. It was a victory. You guys are the same. When Ohio State wins, you're so happy. Let me tell you, the worst thing to do is be a pastor on a Sunday morning when Ohio State loses. Amen. We know kind of what it means to win, but, but what did Jesus' win mean? What, what did the victory that Jesus brought through his resurrection, what does it mean to us? See, what Jesus did on that Easter Sunday morning affects you and it affects me still. It has affected eternity. It has changed eternity. See, Jesus defeated sin and the grave when he rose from the dead. We are joint victors with Jesus through his resurrection on that Easter Sunday morning. Anybody ever like to read? I'm I'm reading now. I'm in Ezekiel. And, uh, you know, Ezekiel is one of those books like Revelation, That you know, you you read Revelation and sometimes you scratch your head and say, What is John the Revelator trying to tell me here? (laughs) But Revelation is one of those books where where one of the things that God is doing through this book is he's pulling back layers and allowing us to see images of heaven. (laughs) We're we're, we're seeing what's going on behind the veil, We're, we're seeing this unseen thing that God is doing through Jesus Christ. In Revelation, it says, Jesus says, he appears to John the Revelator, and he says, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Oh, my goodness. Don't you wish you could have been with John when he saw that? And heard Jesus saying those things, I am the resurrection and the life. I hold the keys to death. We are joint victors with Jesus. His victory is your victory. His victory is my victory. Revelation confirms Isaiah, and, and other scriptures do as well. And John 11, we, we find Jesus, and, and it's a fascinating thing, we, we find Jesus at the funeral of a friend. And I think I've used this in every funeral I've ever preached. What would Jesus say in a funeral? This is what Jesus said to, to the sisters of Lazarus. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? <laughs> Do you believe this? Yeah, Jesus is saying, listen, I am life, I am resurrection, I, have, I will defeat the grave. If you put your faith and your trust in me, you will find life, eternal life. Not just life in the here and after, but life here and now. Paul writes about it and he says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. This work of Jesus. What happened on Easter Sunday it is not just some story about something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's not some past event. It's not even just a future event. This isn't even about heaven and hell and eternity. That This is about Christ's resurrection power at work in the lives of those who put their faith in Him now and through eternity. See, the resurrection power of Jesus is at work in all who believe. I don't think I could tell you better news today than that. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in those who have put their full faith and trust in him. Religion can confuse us. Amen? Religion can cause us to be confused. If, if we get so caught up in things that we miss this simple truth that Jesus has come to bring us life. Maybe maybe you've struggled with this. Maybe, maybe you've went through all the motions and, and you've missed the meat or the substance or the purpose of what Jesus was doing. J- Jesus didn't come to create religion, Jesus came to bring life to dead people. I think it's Ravi Zacharias that says, Jesus didn't come to make good men, bad men good, but he came to make dead men live. <laughs> That's a pretty good truth. Jesus has come to give you life. And he's asked us just to put our faith and our trust in us, in him. What we saying, Resurrecting, I think that's the name of the song, and I love the resurrected king is resurrecting me. We are beneficiaries. We, we have inherited the benefits of an empty tomb. See, the Easter victory of Jesus was a victory for others. And, and maybe it's better said the Easter victory of Jesus was a victory for me. Can you say that with me? Put me instead of others. The Easter victory of Jesus was a victory for me. See, Jesus rose from the dead, not, not, not just to defeat some, some theory of death, but to, be, to defeat the death that is facing us all. There's an older song we sang, we used to sing, and I guess we still do every once in a while, because he lives. <laughs> Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, and I, when we sing I go, no. Sorry. <laughs> that was pretty good. He holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. We have life because of that empty tomb. But, but we've been tracking this with this ideal, that as followers, somehow our victories, our wins, the resurrection power at work within us should be a win for other people as well, right? It's not just about me, but but God is wanting to work through me. And and so we've looked at our success and our wisdom, we've looked at our power, we've looked at our identity, uh, how we suffer, how we live our lives, our deaths, our waiting, and whether we are doing that in a manner that's, that's Christ-like, that, that's being done in the manner of someone who is following Jesus. And, and so as we think about victories, as we think about our resurrections and the resurrection power at work within us, is it affecting other people? Is your resurrection bringing life to others? You know, it's one thing to live in the benefit of what Jesus has done, and I think we do a good job of that. But is this resurrection power that is alive in me, that is changing me, that is giving me life and hope and peace, is that affecting those around me? Is it affecting my family? Does the resurrection power that's at work in me that does that pour out on my family members? My friends? Does the resurrection power of Jesus at work in me? Does it change my work environment? Where I go to school? My neighborhoods? Our community? See, see, I believe, and and maybe maybe I'm silly in my belief, but but, but I just happen to believe that because the resurrection power of Christ is at work in you, it's at work in this church, and it's at work in this church, it should be pouring outside these walls on our neighborhoods all around us, on our community. I believe Marysville should be better because of you and because of me. And if somehow this resurrection power is not pouring out on other folks, somehow we're missing what God's trying to do in our midst. I love Acts 2, 42 through 47. It's, it's this early picture of the church. It says, the early church, it's, it's after Pentecost Sunday, and, and it says, "...they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer." Yeah, this isn't a church that just found a better way of life or, 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 or a better way to do church services or a, or a, or a more efficient way to, to incorporate people, people into their midst. It wasn't a church that, that, that just somehow knew how to, to be nice or nicer. This is a church that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ was at work in their midst. (laughs) That it changed the very fiber of their community. (laughs) The resurrection power of Jesus Christ at work. I'm reading a book called Worship, Wonder, and Way, and it's... It's a, it's a new approach to evangelism or a new uh, look at evangelism. When we think about evangelism, we, we, we sometimes have bad images. We think of knocking on doors and, and handing out tracts. And, uh, when I was at Trenton, there was a church that decided the best way to do evangelism was to stand on the corner and yell at people with bullhorns. Uh, it was very effective. Uh, it sure got a lot of people looking. And so we, sometimes evangelism gets this bad name. It's, it becomes this, okay, I've got I've to convince you with my words. <laughs> and there, there's some talking if you're going to share Jesus. We have to, you know, the, the Bible says, if there's no preacher, how will they know? <laughs> and so there is a place, and, and I don't think it's just talking about me, but it's talking about you. There's, there's a place in our lives where we need to share why our lives are different. But the nugget, the the, the central nucleus of evangelism is this. We are a people who've been called together through the resurrection power of Jesus. And we love and we're generous and we share and we give and we go and we do and we serve all through the power of the resurrection that's at work within us. And we become this unique, peculiar people (laughs) called into... Marvelous light to demonstrate Jesus Christ to our community. Several years ago, we were at, um, it's probably, I, I don't know. it's Maybe it's not my favorite restaurant anymore, but I love Montgomery Inn. If you like ribs, Montgomery Inn's pretty good. And uh, I wish I had a slab right now. <laughs> there used to be one in Dublin. They closed it down. We were so saddened. And, uh, uh, but that we were at the boathouse one time in, in Cincinnati. If you've never been there, it's, it's, it's right pretty close to the, to the ball fields. And, and so we were, it's usually pretty crowded. And so we usually go in around Christmas time after Christmas. And, and so we were, and they have like a, uh, you know, like a, I'm going to get excommunicated, kind of like a bar area where you can wait. Uh, yeah, I know. I wasn't drinking, I was just eating ribs. Uh, but we were waiting, and it was crowded, you know, it was packed. And there was this group behind us that was having a good time, if you know what I mean. <laughs> they, were, they were enjoying their time at Montgomery Inn. And, and, and one of them spilled a whole glass of water that had a funny smell <laughs> all over Terry. I, I mean, they, they drenched her. And they were so nice and, and, and I think they gave her, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> because they felt so bad they gave her a cigarette lighter <laughs> as a <laughs> parting gift. <laughs> Thank you. I will burn my clothes when I get home. Um, <laughs> you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. We didn't worry about it. That, you know, you, you're in public places, that kind of stuff happens. I don't think I've ever been to a baseball game where somebody didn't spill something on me. And so we weren't all bent out of shape, but, but, but I, I thought of that in context of today. Their joy was spilling over. And my prayer for you is this, may you be so full of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that it splashes and spills all over those you encounter. That, that it can't help but to get on their clothing, on their lives, and they may not want any part of it, but they see the joy in you and they can't escape it. They don't give them cigarette lighters when it does. We're going to close today with communion. Communion is this, this central celebration. And actually, we had a Monday-Thursday meal, and a Passover meal, and really a meal has been the central celebration for the people of God from the beginning. And so as Christians, we celebrate communion. I love communion. I love the meanings of it. It has so much value to me. I don't think you could do it too much. That's my personal opinion. I love it. And it's been something. You know, there's a lot of things that have changed in church services over the years. If that's true, say amen, right? Pastors throwing their coats in the back. That's a new thing, right? A lot of things have changed in church in 2,000 years. You know one thing that's not? The central theme has been communion. From the beginning. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he talks about communion. This is before there's a Bible. They're celebrating communion in the church. Throughout the world today, Christians will receive communion. And so this central theme throughout denominations Churches will receive communion. This central theme in Christianity is a meal, eating together. You know, I've received communion in all sorts of ways. I've done it in huge gatherings where where there's thousands of people and I couldn't possibly know everyone there. I've done it at youth retreats where it's intimate and personal. I've done it with my family, and it's just been us. I've done it in foreign countries. I've received it in places that's completely different than this setting. Communion has been received in so many different ways in my life. And and as I think about that, I think all of these tables have kind of the same meaning. Now, Now, we celebrate the elements that Jesus gave his body and his blood on our behalf. Right? We celebrate through this feast that Jesus is coming again. Jesus says every time you receive these elements remember that I'm coming again. There's this eschatological impact of communion that tells us that this is a partial feast but there's a day coming when we're going to eat in the presence of the king. There's going to be a marriage feast. And then there's this ideal of table fellowship. And it's revolutionary. See, see to, to share a table with somebody, you know, we, we go and, We go in fancy restaurants like McDonald's and eat with all sorts of people. You know, all the tables are kind of connected. You know, so we don't think anything about eating around or with people. But at the time of Jesus, to share a table with someone was significant. Table fellowship was almost... So so Jews couldn't eat with Gentiles. And Jesus is saying, no, you are included at this table. It's, it's not about your genealogy. It's not even about all the good you've done or all the bad you've done if you've, if you've placed your life in mine. It's not about how much money you make. It's not about whether you're a male or a female. It's not about whether you're black or white or Jew or Gentile. Or It's not about any of those things. It's about a heavenly father that has sent his son so that we all may be included in unity and in fellowship and in love, celebrating the life that Jesus has brought. So today we're going to receive communion. We're going to celebrate that we didn't earn this. That that we have received this through the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. So, I'm going to have you, we're going to dismiss from the back and, and we'll have the cups. Josh, if you and Bob can get the trays out. We, we've got, if you have a, a gluten allergy, we've got gluten free uh, communion in the middle that will be available. Uh, it's, it's our, what were those, matzah crackers? We have a matzah oven left. That was a poor joke, sorry. Do you realize that we can laugh because of Jesus? <laughs> you know, I, you know I, I, I sometimes think, oh, Paul, why did you say something, try to say something funny then? Because most of the time what I say is not funny anyhow. <laughs> but the truth is we can laugh at, in all areas of our life because of what Jesus has done. So I'm going to pray with us. You know, the scripture says, examine your hearts. Communion is for those who are seeking God. Wesley considered it a means of grace meaning that by these elements we can encounter this grace-giving God and so the the table's open you don't have to be a member of this church you don't even have to have everything completely together but you need to be seeking so so I'd invite you if you're seeking if you really want to know him better this table is for you let's pray our Heavenly Father help us now examine our hearts Examine our intents. May we truly be seeking you with our whole hearts. We love you, Lord. and We're thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus. And we pray now, Lord, that you'll help us as we receive these elements to encounter you. The center of our feast. The center of our celebration. The reason for our gathering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God has invited us to the table. God has invited us to his table where he sits as king and lord, where he sits as our heavenly father. You know, it's always special as I watch you gather for communion. I I don't know why it is, but it always moves me because I know our paths have come to this place, but we didn't come from the same place. That There's been some, some differences and God has brought us together and it's God that has invited us and God has brought us here. And so I celebrate what God is doing in your life through Jesus Christ. The body of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for you, eat and be thankful. The blood of Jesus, which was shed for you. Without the shedding of blood, there cannot be forgiveness of sins. And Jesus shed his own blood on your behalf so that you can be reconciled and made right with your Heavenly Father. Drink and be grateful. Lord, thank you for this feast. Thank you for these people in this place. May we just continue to celebrate you and live for you. May we live lives that give honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I found this benediction this week from, I think he's a Presbyterian theologian, but I loved it. It says, go now in the joy of knowing that you have been included. Included at this table, included as his table, included in our common life, included in the life of God, in the life of the triune God, in the life shared by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go in the joy of knowing that you have been included in the inner life of the God who is love. Go find joy in telling others that they too are included. Go find joy in bringing all God's people to his table. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. You are included.